What? 
chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which being translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took to him his wife, but did not know her, was not sexually involved with her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to talk about the forgotten man. Say those words after me, Joseph, Joseph. The, forgotten man. the forgotten man. Please be seated. Three human characters play the leading parts in the Christmas drama. All of them project and portray characters of great nobleness and praiseworthiness. We should note that these three characters represent a family group. And this blessed family confronted a kaleidoscope of experiences that were set by pressures that would have destroyed many families, but they came through their ordeals with flying colors and with a noble report. Christmas is a time when most individuals want to be with their families. Family concerns are foremost in our minds. But I submit to you that family concerns should be among the foremost things that are in our minds at all times, not just at Christmas time. Because a demonic plot to destroy the family has been launched. The family in its God-ordained traditional form is now considered by many to be outmoded and unnecessary. Marriage is said to be an institution of the past. People just move in together now. That's said to be the style of the future. And even the traditional roles of men and women are being radically reconceived. But the family is God-ordained. It is the basic unit of society. And the plight of families determines the plight of our nation and the plight of our world. As goes the home, so will go the nation. The importance of the family is illustrated by the fact that the central characters of history's most important day comprise a family unit. Let's observe for a change the forgotten member of this ideal family. Joseph, who was to become the foster father of Jesus, is one of the least known characters in the Bible. In the minds of men today, the shepherds, and the wise men are given more attention than this humble man who cared for the Son of God. 
And though little is known about Joseph, it stands to reason that Joseph must have been a person of noble character and moral integrity. For it was this little known man whom God chose to watch over the universe's greatest treasure. Very few people took note of Joseph. Very few people considered Joseph to be worthy of high regard. But God took note of Joseph. And God highly regarded him. Some people are aware that little notice given to them by men feel that God also pays no attention to them. They feel unrewarded. They feel insignificant. They often almost would ask themselves, what's the use? Nobody notices the good that I strive to do. Some feel because they are not before the public eye that they can do whatever they want to do. Since nobody is paying attention to them, since nobody is depending on them, they decide to disregard virtue. They decide to disregard righteousness. They say, since nobody seems to care, I'll just do my thing. But they forget that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and beholding the good. They forget that God is noticing them and God is depending on them. But Joseph never forgot this. He tried to live a life that would be pleasing in the eyes of God. And when God needed somebody, Joseph was ready. God had a plan, and because Joseph conformed his life to the will of God, Joseph was ready when God got ready for him. I just thought I'd pause to say that God has a plan for everybody in this room today. God has a destiny that you're to fulfill. God has a great work for you to accomplish. But you've got to be responsive and open to the mind and the heart of God if you are to do that which God plans for you. It is assumed that none of you have husbands or fathers who have a reason to feel unappreciated. None of you have any men in your life who don't feel respected. But the unfortunate fact that there are many husbands and many fathers who feel unappreciated, disrespected, and forgotten. There are some irresponsible, lazy, abusive men in the world. And there are some toxic, abusive, abrasive ladies in the world also. But there are some good men in the world also. And there are some great ladies in the world also. And what a good man needs. Tell your neighbor he's going to tell you what a good man needs now. <laughs> what a good man needs is appreciation, love, and R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Don't always tell them what you think should be done. Take time to tell them how much you appreciate the good things they've already done. So many men give up because they feel forgotten. They feel neglected. But to those who would feel forgotten and neglected, I would say just be a good man anyhow. A good man is a good man at all times. He's a good man even in the midst of adversity. He's a good man when he's appreciated, recognized, and he's a good man when he is not appreciated and recognized. So we're going to focus today on a man who might have had a good reason to feel neglected and unappreciated. Joseph lived in a small town called Nazareth. Are you all still with me? Yes. It was in the air of Galilee. 
And Joseph was a carpenter by trade. And Joseph had fallen in love with a beautiful young lady by the name of Mary. It seemed that Mary also loved Joseph. And Joseph, and after a while, they became betrothed to one another. Betrothal, which is the same thing as espousal, meant more than engagement means uh, today. Espousal took place during a ceremony where the parties solemnly pledged their faithfulness and fidelity to one another. It was almost as binding as was marriage, and it had to be ended by a divorce. It was very much like marriage. Verse 19 of the text calls Joseph Mary's husband. A betrothed woman was considered to be a widow if her fiancé was to die. And so a betrothal became marriage when the bridegroom took the bride to his home and the marriage was consummated. And so in expectation of their marriage, Joseph could not have been happier. He could not have been more proud. He looked forward to the day when Mary would become his wife and would be coming home with him. But all of a sudden, Mary left town, went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. She left in such a hurry that it puzzled Joseph. She was away for almost three months. And her family could give no explanation except Elizabeth was having a baby and Mary was going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Mary finally returned home. Joseph discovered that Mary was going to have a child. And he, knowing that they had not been together, was filled with agony, and he was filled with perplexity. At this point, Joseph illustrates how different he was from most people. The average man would have exploded in a rage, would have exhorted or resorted to violence. He would have berated her, exposed her publicly, or at least he would have immediately ended the relationship and rushed away. Though Joseph was hurt, though Joseph was disappointed, he did not allow his emotions to get the best of him. He was not hot-headed. He paused to think, to reasonably determine what he should do. I think that that's a wise policy. So few people pause to think and pray before they act. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I know that's not you. You pause to think before you act. Joseph talked to Mary. He heard her explanation. She was unshakable in her claim that she had done nothing wrong, that she had not been unfaithful. She told Joseph that an angel had come to her and said that the Holy Ghost would create human life within her. That was to be the mother, that she was to be the mother of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And she was informed that all this would take place without the involvement of a man, but that it would be by the creative act of God. When Joseph heard that, he did not really know what to think about what she had said, but he did know that he was not obligated to marry a woman was going to have a child that did not belong to him. But he still had a problem. If he left Mary and said nothing, then people would always believe that he had done wrong and that he was not man enough to stand by his responsibility. There are men who do wrong, who seek pleasure, and then are totally unwilling to accept responsibility. Can I get an amen in here? And so to guard against this, 
Joseph could have shouted from the housetops a loud defense of his character and explained to the people that he was innocent, that Mary was not the mother of his child. But to do that, he would have to destroy Mary's reputation. And what if he did that and then found out that Mary was telling the truth? So Joseph finally decided that he would rather have people think badly of him than to destroy Mary and have her branded as an adulteress. He would just let people think he had been with Mary sexually, but he had not wanted to marry her or to be a part of her life, and that he was just going to leave her alone with the child. That would have been a very noble and a just thing to do. And this illustrates how noble and how just Joseph was. He was thoughtful. He was considerate. He was willing to be forgotten or ill thought of for Mary's sake. It's important that the father of the Son of God be a man who was not proud and selfish because a proud and selfish man would have attempted to use the child to make a name and a reputation for himself. Fifty dollars to counsel with the Son of God. Twenty-five dollars to get his autograph. I'll ask him for a miracle if you give me $100. The wrong kind of man in the life of Jesus would have sown disaster and havoc in his life because a selfish man would try to make merchandise of the Son of God. God needed a man who would silently look on while God's plan unfolded. He needed a man who would make his contribution and not seek the spotlight. And so Joseph in saying, listen, I would rather be thought of myself in an evil and negative way than to allow Mary to be thought of. Single pregnant women have a special place in the heart of God. Single mothers who are seeking to live and to provide for their families on their own have the blessing of God on their life. And I would say to them, be not dismayed. Whatever betide, God will take care of you. And the reason the heart of God is so inclined toward women who are raising their children alone, whether because they've been deserted or because they've just made a mistake in their life and did something that was not very wise, God looks at them and he sees his daughter Mary who struggled with singleness while pregnant until God intervened and helped her. Tell your neighbor, God will help you. If Joseph had been a man who acted impulsively, if Joseph had been a man who acted emotionally, he could have negatively affected all of eternity. But while Joseph gave himself to meditation and thought, while Joseph was thinking about it, God had an opportunity to deal with him and to direct him in the proper pathway. This is why it's important not to act, not to go off emotionally, impulsively, because you may make a decision before God has an opportunity to give you direction and to give you guidance. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Tell three people, acknowledge him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While he gave himself to meditation, God dealt with him. It's very unwise to get ahead of God, to make your decisions and act on them before learning the will of God. Men who lead families, men who make decisions for families, would do well to have God as their counselor. God gave Joseph 
directions and guidance. And God will give every father who needs it direction and guidance if he's open to listen to the heart and to the mind of Almighty God. Sure enough, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream, said to him in Matthew chapter 1, the latter part of verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the, about the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and was not sexually involved with her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And they called his name Jesus. Joseph responded to the voice of God. Joseph was a man, and God needed that kind of man who had his flesh under control. Just because you want to do a thing does not mean you're supposed to do it. Amen. Joseph lived with Mary after this time for almost a year. The baby was born. The baby was weaned. He took care of the child. But he was so respectful of the move and the work of God that he had no sexual involvement with his wife until after Jesus was born and had come to the earth. So he was willing to forego pleasure and gratification for a larger and more noble cause. God needs some folk who can have their flesh under control. Come on, testify to your neighbor. God needs some folk who have their flesh under control. Listen, people are doing all kinds of twisted, diabolical, violent, deadly, murderous things on the face of the earth, and they might say, well, I, it's all right for me to do it because that's what I wanted to do. Who on earth said you're supposed to do something only because you want to do it? It might be a better idea to do something because God would permit you or guide you or direct you to do something. Am I preaching today? Y'all still with me today? But let me tell you quickly why I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin because the Bible tells me that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And since everything else in the Bible has told me is true and trustworthy, everything that the Bible has predicted would come to pass at this time has come to pass, I believe that the Bible is true when it tells me about the virgin birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But beyond this, I said often that the one who saved the world would have to be worthy to save the world. He would have to be related to us to save mankind, and he would have to be innocent of any sins himself if he was to save mankind. In other words, since all men have sinned, and since all men have come short of the glory of God, and since all men were an unclean thing, all of our righteousness was as filthy rags, and since all men like men, like sheep, had gone astray, then no man could suffer for the sins of others because he was guilty of his own sin. And if you're suffering for what you have done, you can't also be suffering for what the rest of humanity has done. Our substitute would have to be related to us. Jesus was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and, and, but, but Jesus, the, the Son of God, was above sin and above 
unrighteousness and above wrong. Our substitute had to be innocent. He did no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. But then our substitute would also have to be worthy because he was not to be one person for another person, but he was to be one for all men who lived to that date, at that time, and after that time. Only a divine being could satisfy all these conditions, innocence, being worthy, and being related. Only a man could represent men because men had sin. And so the virgin birth of the incarnation was God's solution to this problem. John 1:14 says, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And then Galatians 4 and 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem them that were under the law. And then John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the virgin birth because God is consistent and God is holy. And it would have been inconsistent and unholy for God to bring his son to earth as the fruit of an adulterous or sinful act. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the virgin birth because such a thing is easy for God. If God can have created the universe, if God can have flung the stars against the blackness of the night, if God could have created the sun and the moon, if God had made this world and everything in it, if God had created you and I, then certainly God can bring into existence with a, a, a man or a child without an earthly father. I believe in the virgin birth because Jesus was supernatural. Come on, tell your neighbor, Jesus was supernatural. He walked on water, supernatural. He raised the dead, supernatural. He spoke to the lightning and the waves and the wind and they would come, supernatural. He died on a cross, but on the third day morning, he rose from the dead, supernatural. If he could do all of this in his life, in his death, and his resurrection, then it's an easy thing for Jesus to be born of a virgin. We're cloning animals and cloning people even now. And if we, with our limited power and ability, can clone people without the benefit of a sexual involvement, then how much more can God bring a man into existence by the move of his Holy Spirit? Come on, clap your hands and praise God. I believe in the virgin birth. Anybody here who believes with me that Jesus, born the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so Joseph, Joseph having received instructions from God, he quickly obeyed God. On four separate occasions, God directed Joseph in dreams, and Joseph always obeyed God. In the first dream, God told Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary. And Joseph married Mary. And again, God warned Joseph to carry Mary and the child into Egypt for safety. And Joseph moved to Egypt. In the third dream, God sent them back to Israel. And God, when Joseph, when God spoke, took them back to Israel. And in the fourth dream, God sent them to live in Nazareth. And each time Joseph obeyed, and when he obeyed, he escaped from danger and he escaped from harm. God told, chose Joseph because Joseph was a man who would obey God. And I just tell you, God chooses people today because they would obey him. They would do his will. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. If children are to obey parents, if wives are to submit themselves to their husbands, I like that, wives are to submit themselves. Wives ought to submit themselves to their husbands and their fathers. And if you are willing to obey God, then God will lead you and God will direct you. How much more if we expect our children to obey us should we be willing to obey Almighty God? And if you obey him, God knows how to lead. God knows how to direct. God knows how to guide his children. God will not leave you in confusion. But if you follow the lead of God, you and your family will escape. You'll find escape from disaster and from tragedy. When God is the head of the house, then things go well and things turn out all right. I don't want you to decide I'm going to do what I want to do act when I want to act, use my own mind, my own wisdom. In all of your ways, acknowledge God. And God's a good leader. He's a mighty good director. The old folk used to say, let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let the Holy Ghost lead you all the way, all the way from earth to glory. Let the Holy Ghost lead you all the way. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is a real good leader? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Joseph obeyed God. From that time forward, he patiently fulfilled his responsibilities as a father and as a provider. Sometimes people that do wrong and who are wicked get more attention than people who do good. Crime and lawlessness fills the newspaper more than the good things people do. Newspapers go out of business if they don't report some kind of mess and some kind of negative stuff. But when they start talking about good stuff, people don't even want to read about it or hear about it. And so it was with Joseph. Joseph worked hard. Joseph loved his family. Joseph was a sparkling example of love and devotion to God. He did not demand, even though he was the earthly father of Jesus, he did not demand that Jesus look only to him as a father, but he encouraged Jesus to look to God, his heavenly father. And Joseph was more mindful of this even than Mary was. For when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem for the feast, and Jesus kind of stayed behind, and everybody else left. And they left because they thought he was with some other of the kinfolk. So they went about two or three days' journey before they realized that Jesus was not with them. Finally, they went back to Jerusalem. They found Jesus in the house of God, talking to the priests and talking to the Levites and discussing the scripture with them. And Mary's mouth started running like a machine, fussing at Jesus, complaining about his being absent from them. But Joseph stood by and said not a word. Now imagine in Joseph's heart, he was saying, Lord, just let your plan continue to unfold. Lord, just keep on taking charge of his life. But Joseph stepped back so that God could be what God could be in the life of Jesus. And Jesus finally said, didn't you know that I've got to be about my father's business? Joseph stepped into the background. He was forgotten by many. Joseph's death was never even recorded in Scripture. No word about his demise. Nobody knows exactly when he died. But we just know that by the time that Jesus started his earthly ministry, Joseph was no longer alive. He was no longer with them. You would think that as noble as Joseph was, as committed as Joseph had been, he would at least have been allowed to live and see Jesus in ministry. 
you would think that he would at least be allowed to see the miracles that Jesus performed and the great messages that Jesus preached. But though Joseph was committed to his job and to his responsibility, he passed away even before Jesus had preached his first public sermon. Somebody ought to say, help Lord. But we've got to understand, even today, that the survival and happiness of our children will be possible only when they develop a meaningful relationship with God. Joseph stepped into the background and said, Lord, have your way. Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. His death was not recorded. But after a while, somebody ought to say after a while, Joseph will not be forgotten. Joseph will be remembered. And every child of God who works for God, every child of God who's faithful to the will of God, God will not forget your labor of love, your commitment to the work of God. He will not be forgotten. He'll get a crown. He'll get his reward. He'll hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Joseph faced his hour. Joseph did his job well. He worked with all that was within him. And I've just come by to say to you, child of God, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Hold on, child of God. You may be neglected. You may be forgotten about. People may neglect and ignore the good you do. But keep on doing good. Keep on serving the Lord. Keep on working for God. The Bible says, whatever is right, I will pay. Oh, bless the name of God. The world needs some good men today. The world needs some good women. And on this day, while we talk about this man who seemed to have been forgotten and neglected, let me encourage somebody in the house today. The Lord is watching you. The Lord beholds the evil. And the Lord beholds the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and beholding the good. Shake hands the two people and tell them, hold on, hold on. Bless the name of God. Things are topsy-turvy in this wicked world. Wicked men and wicked women are vying for the center stage. God needs somebody who will lift up a standard for the Lord. People are parading and exhibiting their wickedness everywhere they go. God needs somebody who will lift up a standard for the King. My job is working for Jesus every night and every day. My job is working for Jesus and whatever is right the Lord will pay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for Joseph because he's a living example of commitment and faithfulness to God. Others may have forgotten him, but God did not forget him. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, others may forget you, but God will never forget. Come on and praise him. Praise him, praise him. He'll never forget your praise. He'll never forget your faithfulness. He'll never forget your obedience. He'll never forget your sacrifice. Hold on, child of God. It's going to be all right in the days to come. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the day of Isaiah, the Lord sent out the cry. Whom shall we send, and who will go for us? Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me, I'll go. 
But I'm a man of unclean lips. I need the fire of the Holy Ghost to cleanse me. The angel sent and got a hot coal of fire, laid it on Isaiah's lips, said this has touched your lips. Your sins are forgiven. Your iniquity is purged. And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. God needs somebody who will say, here am I. Send me. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, here am I. Send me, Lord. Send me. I'll do your will. I'll bring glory to your name. I'll raise my family in a righteous way. I'll say yes. Come on and say yes to the will of God. Yes to the plan of God. Lift your hand and say, Lord, have thine own way. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power to walk in the will of God. Power to sing praises to his name. Power to win men to Jesus. Power to go higher, higher. Stand up, everybody. Give praise to the Lord. Say, Lord, higher, higher. Want to go higher. Come on and praise it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clap your hand. Clap your hand. Fill us again. Fill us again. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your anointing. Power. Power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You brought us through 2016, 2017. Are both in the past, but now, Lord, we face a new year. We face new challenges. We face new devices. But Lord, we need your help. We need your power. If you'll help us, we'll do your will. If you help us, we'll obey your voice. Come on and praise the Lord. Say yes, say yes, say yes, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship the Lord, worship the Lord, worship the Lord, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Dear Lord, I pray for your people today. Thank you, dear Lord, that you had a man like Joseph in place, ready to step to the fore and do what you would have him to do. Lord, there are people in this room today they love you also. They want to do your will. They want to please you. To God, I pray that you'll raise up an army of Josephs, that you'll fill us with your spirit, that you'll anoint us for the task, that, dear Lord, whatever you need us to do, we'll be ready and able to do it in the name of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I feel the presence of the Lord in the room. I sense somebody making a rededication of their lives to the Lord. When you obey God, God takes care of you, protects you, he guides you. He brings you to a good end. Joseph came to a good end, a good level because he obeyed God. 
And each time he did, God would step in and work miracles on his behalf. My brother, my sister, that's my prayer for you. That as we come to the close of 2017, that dear Lord, you'll bless us to assault 2018 with a zest and with a passion that will bring glory to your name always. In the name of Jesus. Has anybody who wants to end this year right and move into 2018 right? Who wants to have the presence and blessing and salvation of God on your life? As you move out into this new year, every head is bowed. If you're not saved and you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, I want you to lift your hand and hold it high. I want to pray for you right where you are. I want to pray for you, the Spirit of the Lord. Might do the work in your life that needs to be done. Lift that hand, hold it high. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray for your people today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power, your anointing, your presence. Bless the Lord, every individual in this room, whether they did or did not lift their hands, come into their lives, save them, forgive their sin, draw them to yourself. Let them never ever again be the same. In the name of Jesus, I pray, fulfill your purpose in their lives. Repeat this prayer after me, dear Lord. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you. I am saved. I am forgiven. Praise God. Praise God.